There's just something about that tune. I'm just in tune. That's what an um, intro. What an intro right there. I, I love it. Hi, oh. Pearl. Welcome to Pearl. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Andy. No Excited problem. No problem. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, welcome, everyone, to the e-commerce Expander Secrets podcast uh, live. Uh, if you're catching this uh, on the podcast, clearly it's not live. Uh, and uh, this is live at the moment on Facebook and YouTube, I believe. So uh, that's pretty exciting on its own. So I've got a really, really exciting partner of ours, really special guest. And uh, we've been working with Pearl and those at First Choice for many, many years now. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to um, say hi to Pearl and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Really excited to do this with you. Yeah, we've been together for a while, so it's, it's coming full circle. Indeed. So, Paul, uh, just for the um, purpose of those that don't know you or First Choice, give us a little run through about who you are um, and who you work for at the moment. All right? Sure. That sounds great. So, hi, everybody. My name is Pearl. I am the Chief Operating Officer at First Choice Shipping. And what we specialize in is helping sellers that are looking to expand to Amazon's global markets with the logistics. So we work together with Andy, who helps with VAT registration. We will help them with uh, making sure compliance is in check, the clearance is done properly, um, representing the sellers with, uh, you know, the importer of record, and then ultimately with, with the actual shipping, because Amazon actually does not provide you with shipping options when you're looking to ship internationally. So they'll recommend you working with a partner like ourselves. We actually are the number one recommended provider by Amazon when you're looking to expand globally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so definitely we, we could help you from A to Z, hold your hand, really make it comfortable and like that you could really successfully expand to Amazon's global markets like the UK, Canada, etc. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us. So uh, for those listening, uh, this is probably going to take a few different parts. So we're just going to do a little bit about Pearl to start with. You know, how she got into the e-commerce first choice sort of piece first. Then we're going to move on to what's happening in the shipping world. And then we're going to move on to what's happening in you know, expanding to Europe. Um, you know, that sort of stuff in e-commerce as well. So Pearl, let, let's probably some of the questions I've not asked you probably before. Uh, which is which is great. I think that's going to be perfect. Yes, so, I like it that uh, way. Let, let's go back right to the beginning. What was your journey into e-commerce? How, you know, how did it first come about? What, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So my my first introduction to e-commerce was we actually had our own Amazon business many many years ago, where we my husband and I were you know we're very creative people outside you know outside of shipping. We love you know, creating things from scratch. So for example, with these, with these gift baskets, it was something that we started doing um, literally like in our basement. So we started creating Christmas gift baskets where we literally would come up with a design for the box. What do we fill it up with? And, you know, either chocolates or nuts or, you know, different candy. And we, we then decided we would sell it on Amazon because Amazon at that time was like, you know, anybody could launch a business if you, if you do it the right way. So we started, we started selling for Christmas, Valentine's, um, Easter, uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day. And it went really, really well 
like the first three years, like we, we definitely, you know, we hit, we hit, uh, seven figures. And the issue was that we started really feeling what other sellers, you know, unfortunately started feeling where, you know, review manipulation started happening where other people were trying to, you know, take over what we were doing, um, or competitors came on and they were trying to write negative reviews about our stuff, which it was, it was, it was too much for us. Like, you know, we're, we're creative people, but like it, it was, you know, the, the help that's out there today, like there's, there's an agency for everything now, right? Yes. We don't hire somebody for, for PPC, which we were, we were just not good at that. You can yeah. find so many people that are amazing today. And it wasn't something that was available for us. We were very good at the, the logistics of it, you know, getting the product from China, let's say like the baskets and stuff like that the candy and the nuts and stuff. We were great at sourcing that even like from overseas, how we're going to be able to bring down the costs as much as possible. But then when it came to the actual, um, backend stuff, like on Amazon, like the reviews and, uh, the advertising, which became like, that was the only way you're going to be successful. It wasn't just about the product anymore. Then it was like, it was too much. And we ended up selling the business. And I would say that's where we get a lot of our knowledge. And that's why we get the seller's perspective, you know, and, and that's where the passion comes from. Like, what else can I help you with? And, you know, when, when we talk to sellers, it's not just about the shipping. It's about what else is going on. What, what, what recommendation can I make? What are you struggling with? Because we've been there. We get it. And, you know, it was heartbreaking having to sell the business because we, oh my gosh, we work, we work really, really hard. But, you know, now looking back, obviously, you know, you can always reflect back and say, okay, this is why it happened. So I, you know, luckily enough, we could say at this point, this is why, you know, we, we are where we're at. Like my husband's also on logistics, but a different kind of logistics uh, field, um, yeah, service really. So yeah, now looking back, it's, it's been a blessing, but then it was difficult. So I, I get where sellers come from. And that was, yeah, that was my introduction to the whole, the whole world of e-commerce. Fantastic. Where did that come from? Where, where did you see like other people doing e-commerce and you thought, hey, that looks like a good idea or was it you? How did that piece come about? Everybody does e-commerce now, Andy. Well, well I know that. You know that. Where we live, it's either, you know, like when you get together with your friends, it's like either you're doing Amazon or you're doing real estate. It's like you got to choose one. <laughs> so it's like, okay, Amazon, you know. We, we, we loved creating something and it was, you know, Amazon does give you the opportunity. It was, it's, it's a huge opportunity, you know, put yourself in front of an audience of millions of people. But, you know, it, it was difficult. It was very difficult. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that, you know, is identifying where your, what, what the bits, where your skills are, but right. also the bits you enjoy. Because right. actually, you know, right. running an Amazon business is, is, is actually, there's lots of skills involved and oh, yeah. you have to enjoy all of it or you need to outsource those pieces. Right, right. So um, that's why I'm very into delegating now, right? Yeah. In my role, it's like you, you're not the best at everything. No. And it's it's never it's never even possible to be that way. And mm-hmm. you just have to know what your strengths are. And I love coordinating stuff like that. That's why I do what I do. Um, and I love what I do because I bring a bunch of people together. My leadership team would bring people together that are amazing at different things and just we delegate and that that creative energy starts flowing with these with these type of things and of course i then rely on the ones that have the talent to do certain things 
which, you know, in the past I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the luxury of that. So, you know, right now we're, we're definitely lucky. We have a great team and, you know, you can actually see behind me what my team looks like, you know, that now I see myself zoomed in a bit. So that's, that's my position integrator. Right. And then you see all the different departments that we have and how everything comes together. But, you know, that's essentially what's happening here. So let, let's go from one to the other there. Like, so, so you, you've sold the Amazon business and you're now thinking, right, what am I going to do now? Or had you had a bit of a crossover period anyway, you'd already sort of teed up and lined something up. Yeah. So while that was happening, I wasn't able to, you know, um, be full-time dedicated to that and, you know, pay our bills. So I was actually working at a car leasing place out of all places. That was just, was a nightmare. But that's why I mean, my, my, my car position, but I used to do car leasing. So if you needed a car, that's what I did. Brilliant. So I tell you a lot of cars now. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't know you'd done that. That's brilliant. How long did you yes. do that for? That for like about two years. Brilliant. About two brilliant. years. What, yeah. what do you think that taught you different to what the Amazon business taught you? Because you learn something in every role, don't you? I, uh, the main thing I learned is that kindness is so important. So I think I learned a lot about kindness over there. So, but not, not in a good way. The car leasing business is like, it's a mafia business. It's a very rough kind of business. And people think about shipping that way as well. So when I got into the shipping industry, it was like, how can we change the game? And, and that's what we're known for, our service. You call in, you, there's always somebody kind on the other line that will help you through it and we'll do whatever we can to always help you. And I think that's what we did in terms of like changing the game. Like this, this is a very service focused business. So yeah, I would say I definitely learned that. Maybe some sales skills, but yeah, not so much. I don't know. So how did you go from there to there then? So I was, I was miserable there. I was absolutely miserable. We worked out of this like trailer. It wasn't like this normal office setting. It, it smelled terribly and it was awful. And my husband heard me complaining a lot, you know? So he actually, he picked up one of the local papers and he went through the classifieds and there was an advertisement. They're looking for employees for first choice shipping. So he actually went and sent my resume in. I had no idea. He sent my resume in and I got a phone call a few days later from Saul, our, now our CEO, saying he saw my ad, my uh, resume, and if I want to come in for an interview. And I was caught off guard, but I played along. I, you know, very quickly realized, okay, this is probably, probably what happened. And I went down for an interview and actually one of his good friends worked with me at that time at that car leasing place. And luckily enough, he recommended, you know, highly recommended my, um, you know, work ethic and et cetera. And, um, yeah, so I, I started from the ground. Let me tell you, I started as, you know, regular entry level worker, customer service, and, you know, slowly worked myself up from there. But that's how I really got to know every single part of the business and really understood, you know, the customer from my experience in the past from that Amazon business and everything really, you know, clicked from there. Yeah. And was, so was first to shipping doing the Amazon piece, the e-commerce piece at that time? Yes. Yes. They were only doing the UK and, yeah. you know, on a much smaller scale, much smaller yeah. scale. 
Um, and then, you know, with time, we were able to build the business up to, you know, where we're at right now. Yeah. So how long ago did you start? So I'm with a company for almost seven years now. Wow. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, so seven years. And in that, over that period, obviously there's been some you know, big changes just in the fact that there's millions of more Amazon sellers than what there were sure. seven years ago. Sure. So, you know, the whole industry has changed in seven years. We all know that. You know, just seen by going for what's through COVID alone. Um, right. so over that period, you know, your role has obviously changed slightly as you've gone through. So when right. did you start doing the chief operating officer piece? Um, so I would say that very quickly after I came in, probably like a year after I came in, somehow the team started seeing me as like that mother figure. And so, you know, it, it, it really just like progressed from there. I would say like two years in, I officially got the title of director of sales and marketing, but then it just it just took on its course on its own it was it was very apparent that you know it wasn't that anymore it was much more than that because i was involved with every single department yeah. and then about when did i get chief operating i would say about three years ago yeah, probably like five true. years in yeah four or five years in yeah so that's when that's when we officially you know change the title to chief operating officer but I, I would say for the last five years, definitely, you know, that that's been what I was doing. Yeah. And, you know, we just became more professional. So we gave it the right, yes. you know, the right title, <laughs> really. But yeah, you know, we were, we were, we started out as a small little company in Brooklyn and we just, you know, we became more, more solid and more like, according to the book. So, yeah. so, yeah. so with that, I just want to touch on that. So that, the, the, what you're alluding to there is the professionalism in the business. As you know, as any business does, as they mature and grow, and right. they bring on more clients, they they professionally grow. What what do you think has been probably the thing that's helped make that um, that catalyst to happen? You know, is it the people or the systems or the processes or the ethos or the education? What do you think's the the, the the single biggest driver that's driven the professionalism that's given you the clearly the you know excellent reputation that you guys have got right that's a good question um i would say our core values our core values is something that we you know very strongly hold on to you know being very principled honest transparent kind things like that right so when you're when you're principled and you you stick to your to your founding you know rules or your founding um, systems, then automatically you want to make sure that you have those SOPs written up, which is our standard operating processes for each department. That means that every leader actually does what they need to do and not, you know, taking on something that they're not supposed to do yes. or, you know, work falling onto them when it's not supposed to be theirs. And, you know, that, that just makes a toxic environment because obviously nobody wants to be overworked and overwhelmed and, you know, just it's, resentful really you know you start resenting other people around you. you know some people feel like i'm doing more than others so you know having those clear very clear job descriptions and accountability is something that was very important to us so that that's something that we've been working on very strongly for the last you know two years and i would say that you know we're, we're getting to a much more comfortable place where you know everybody has clear job description their accountabilities and then we have 
something are, you know, everybody, everybody has their own KPIs that keeps you on track and, you know, just it motivates you. So I would say, yeah, it all started from our core values of, you know, all these things that are very important to us. And, you know, for us, leadership, we very, very much believe is going to end up being, you know, the example everybody will follow. So it's how you behave. You know, for example, we, we don't allow phones at any meeting, no phones. And it's, it's just a principle that we hold on to. And what ends up happening is the rest of the team sees that and the rest of the employees see that because I know a lot of businesses struggle with why is everybody on their phone the whole day? And it's something that we're struggling with as well. It's like, I'm sure by you and your warehouse, you know, especially in warehouses, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to nail it down, right? Because the warehouse is big and how, you know, how do you get, how do you get, how do you fix that problem? So it's you know, dangerous. Yeah. In a warehouse environment, someone on their phone, it's dangerous. You know, football right. comes on, they're on their phone. Right. There's, no, there's no phones. Like that. Right, right, right. Exactly. So we realize that, you know, it's it's leadership that needs to show, you know, give that example of like, you know, we, we also don't have our phones. So I, I'm just going to show this. I actually got myself a flip phone. This phone literally is talking text. And I have this just in case, you know, for the babysitter or, you know, Annie needs to reach me. She can reach me. But I don't have... My smartphone, I have two phones now, you know, you're going to see like a million messages now. But the point is, this stays in my room. And actually, it's going to start staying in my car as well. I'm not taking it into my home anymore. I need to have those boundaries. Otherwise, yeah. it's like, it, it, it's it's just too much. It's yeah. too much. I, so there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there. So I think there's some really important parts there. That as you go in that, that thing that we've been talking a lot about recently here and in other people I've been talking to is that systems and process and you touched on there the operating procedures the the job descriptions the KPIs and you can't grow a successful business without people having those in place to know the boundaries that you've set them you've set them and they set themselves in yeah. order to to grow because otherwise you you take on all these weird and wonderful things and you're like in like a, a headless chicken running around uh, which is crazy exactly exactly yeah. exactly yeah there's there's no way there's no way for accountability without a system in place yeah you know and i had i had this one department that was you know something that we were developing and one you know the, the one that was she actually got promoted as a manager and i you know we had this conversation where she was overwhelmed and she needed to see you know what can we do should we hire somebody else yeah. And I was explaining to her that as long as I don't see the analytics black and white, let's build a system where we see the analytics. You know, we have a CRM now. Was we were able to do it like in a few days? And as long as we didn't see what is actually happening, where is the help needed? We're not going to hire. We need to be very clear on what we're hiring for. And what was interesting is that we built this analytic, and we saw very clearly that it's not necessarily an issue with what we thought it would be because for example emails that were coming in were not a lot of emails at all so there's probably something in that department or the way things are being done that is not right so you know it, it, it was very clear to her i was like do you see why we didn't hire somebody or do you see now why i want to see data data is so important well you can make knee-jerk reactions can't you it's like oh someone well let's do this to solve that Right. And actually, right. That's I, used to do that. I used to do that. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a victim of all that. So yeah. far from my mistakes, it was like, let's hire somebody just to make us, you know, more uh, flexible. 
That's yep. totally not the case. You, yep. you need to first get to the core issue. What's the core problem? Then let's then let's figure it out. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about shipping in the moment. So talk through um, currently you know, where you can ship from to and what that looks like. And, and um, you know, perhaps let's talk about from there. We can then go into where the biggest issues are right now. Sure. Because because I know that everyone wants to talk yeah. in direct representation into UK and Europe. Yes. So we'll get to that. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> okay. Great. Sure. Let's talk about it. So basically, um, our specialty is shipping by air. That's our specialty. Um, you know, shipments that are not necessarily that large, shipments that she, that could get there really quickly. Um, that that's our specialty. And the lanes that we specialize in right now is. Mo mostly from the U.S. out, we do from the U.K. in. Uh, we do as well from China to the U.S. And what we're working on right now is from China to every other marketplace that Amazon has as well. So it shouldn't just be from the United States. So from the U.S., we do, let's say, from the United States to Australia, United States to United uh, to the UAE, United Arab Emirates. Um, we do to Canada, really to any Amazon location except for Mexico and Saudi Arabia, which we're going to have very soon. So anywhere Amazon has an FBA location, that's where we're able to ship because our specialty is shipping into Amazon's FBA locations. Not yet, you know, those small packages B2C where you're shipping directly to your customer. That's that's not a, not where our specialty lies. Um, so that's that's as far as lanes go. Yeah, fantastic. So it's, it's shipping into those air, into those um, uh, Amazon centers. Well, out of all of those different countries, what what's the easiest to ship into the easiest the easiest i would say is the uk and canada okay the interesting. UK, canada yes um the uae no the uae has certain restrictions japan has a lot of restrictions we can help you know go get past that but there is there's procedures and processes in order to do that um okay. yeah the uk the UK and Canada would be the easiest for sure. Okay, fantastic. And you know, with those sort of shipments, you know, Amazon sellers only or e-commerce sellers? It's Amazon, yes. Our our specialty right now is to help Amazon. I would say 95% of our of our clients are Amazon sellers. Yeah. And obviously some of those sellers sell on other platforms and everything else. Absolutely. But, you know, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But they're all they're all the biggest on Amazon, you know. People will sell will tell you clearly that eighty percent of what they do is on Amazon. You know, and with all those, so all those people <laughs> shipping, what, where is the biggest outside of the US? Which is the biggest shipments going to? Is it is it Europe? Is it Japan? Is it Australia? Canada? What's the sort of biggest market that people are shipping to right now? So before Brexit, the UK has been the biggest one. Yeah. Um, right now, it's between the UK and France, Italy and Germany. So we're going, we, we, we launched a new service where we're shipping through the Netherlands into Germany. So that's something that's picking up very, you know, the pace is definitely picking up. So I would say the UK, have, you know, and EU is definitely um, almost, yeah, it's a slightly larger than, than Canada, but Canada is a very close second. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's interesting. So let's talk about that new service. I think that's really important for for people to understand. So let, before we get into that new service, going through Netherlands into Germany, let's talk about why you're not going straight into Germany. Yeah. Because people will be like, well, I can just ship straight into Germany. And right. we'll say, good luck. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point. So I'll tell you, you know, we, we've done our research through the summer, right? We knew that come January 1st, we're going to be able to ship in directly through Germany because we've we've studied it. We've been prepared. We had all the checklists in place on how to successfully do that. December 31st, when sellers started shipping directly into Germany, we saw very quickly this is not going to work. It was almost like a light switch went off where all of a sudden the German, the German government, German customs was like, oh, so we had a list of 12 things. Oh, actually, we also need this. We also need that. And the next shipment needed another thing. It was it was impossible. And it was it was clear that the carriers and customs were not on the same page. And this was just not going to work. So we put a stop to it very quickly. And what we recommended for the time being until we figured out another solution was sellers to go through France and use the pen EU option, or they could go to um, Spain or Italy. And that has been working well. The issue is that Amazon's infrastructure was always set up for Germany. Germany is the biggest market for them over there. So they have the best presence over there. So the goal of getting into Germany was definitely a big, a big one. And sellers that have been trying to go, you know, through Germany, aside from, let's say the checklist and all that stuff that I've been mentioning, Customs, you could literally wait a month or two or three. You, you know, I, I I love going on to these um, Amazon Facebook groups or the Telegram groups. Just yeah. you know, let's let's see what people are actually experiencing or what's what what are issues that people are actually facing. And it's very clear that everybody's facing the same issue. Yeah. So our business development team has worked to come up with another solution that is working amazing so far. So we we launched it about. Two months ago, we did a beta test uh, program and it's been working very well. And now we opened it up for the public. We're basically, we are shipping into the Netherlands. It's clearing over there. It's still, it's staying on the same carrier's truck and then it continues into Germany. So what you're avoiding here is having a clearance happen in Germany. So you don't have a list of all those crazy things you need to you know, provide for customs. Um, so that, that's obviously a huge benefit and it's actually very quick within a week. It's already in Amazon's FBA location in Germany. So you're talking door to door and it's, um, very reasonably priced. And again, Germany is definitely the place that people are trying to get to. We've seen that very clearly. So yeah, we're really excited with this option and so far it's, it's working very well. Fantastic. I'm really pleased that because so many people are having problems with indirect representation and like as you say a whole list of everything else that when you think you solved one thing the german customs department came up with another 20 things that you thought you'd solved that you hadn't um yeah. and you know we've been fighting exactly the same going from the uk in um you know everyone's in exactly the same boat there's no special treatment if you're in the uk in fact if you're going from the uk i'm pretty certain you got penalized for it um, but there we go. That might just be my own personal opinion. That is not to be put down on record in any way, shape, or form. I feel like you might have a good point there. <laughs> but anyway, um, okay, so that's, that's amazing. So that's a great brand new service. The first choice is operating that any seller can capitalize on right now, getting yeah. stuck into, um, into Germany. Now, that's just air at the moment. Yeah, so that's just air. It's going to be like that for a while, especially now with the whole inventory and restock limits. Yes. That's, that's just a nightmare. And we, 
we definitely see that, you know, either a 3PL, like what you're offering, or small parcel is going to end up being the way to go because yeah. Amazon does not want their, their long term goal is they don't want to be a storage facility. No, exactly. They want you to ship in small amounts more often. Yeah. So we, we, we've seen that, you know, our service is going to become much more in demand because of that. Cool. You know, yeah. it's just fast, small amounts more often. And the fact that it's fast allows you to do it, um, you know, more often because otherwise, you know, it doesn't check in fast enough and the cycle just continues. So, yeah. So, so far, you know, that's how we, that, that's how we perceive it. And we'll see, nobody really knows how this is going to continue. It's, it's no, no, one's got, no one's got that silver ball with, uh, yeah. silver ball with, um, with Amazon, have they? And I think that's really important. That IPI score, the storage limits, all of those things, you know, it's 30 days or 40 days of stock is technically what they're saying at the moment, isn't it? It's 40 days of stock you can get in. But so, you, so an air shipment is absolutely critical yeah. in order to, to get the stock here quickly because otherwise what's going to happen is you're just going to run out of stock. Like, right. yes, all right, you can use buffer stock in our warehouse and everything else, like totally get that. But exactly. the reality is no one's in a position to do that. Like, Absolutely. And I, I do want to add one thing. You you said the 30 to 40 days, right? Mm. I don't know if people know this, but it's it's from when you actually create that shipment in Seller Central, not from when your shipment checks in, which is so important. Sellers, sellers should know they should not create any shipment until they actually have their shipment ready, ready to be shipped into Amazon, because this is how they're calculating the restock limits as well. I mean, that's a great one right there. Yeah, that's that's really, really important for people to understand. Because yeah. people do, they do a shipping plan, and then, yeah, then it takes them two weeks to sort, sort it out. Right. Right. And then Amazon considers that your sell-through date, and it's like, ooh, it's painful. It's painful when people start realizing that. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So so e-commerce in Europe right now? You know, what's, what's your sort of thoughts? What are you seeing from a shipping point of view? What sort of trends are you seeing? Analysis, data. I, I, the way we see it, obviously, you know, our specialty is international global expansion, right? Mm. So the way we see it right now is the importance of diversify is so, so high. Like, for example, sellers that are selling in Japan right now are, are having a really good experience because they don't have inventory limits. And, or even if you are, you know, dealing with a country with inventory limits, the fact that people are able to send to other places and not just rely on the US or just the UK where you have that tight limit, you have, let's say five, six marketplaces that you could send your inventory into. And that ends up becoming a way that they can actually continue, right? So for us as well, you know, we, we've seen a change in people's shipping patterns. But the fact that there are different marketplaces that people are shipping to is what keeps us going. So if we were just specializing in shipping, let's say, to the UK, or we just specialize in shipping to Canada, it would have been a nightmare for our company. So we could very clearly see with sellers that are, you know, really diversifying their portfolio that it's saving their, it's saving their business. So we, we definitely, you know, are biased towards it, but we recommend wherever you correct, wherever you could, expand your business you should definitely go for it yeah i think that's really really important that i mean one of the key things we're seeing is that expansion but integration into the market so 
you know, where a lot of sellers in the States, they will sell on Amazon and other platforms and other avenues. When they come to the Europe, they should do the same. It doesn't have to be specifically just in Amazon. There's a whole lot of other marketplaces that are even bigger in some countries. Yeah. They, they should do because it helps integrate and, and create a much better experience for sellers. Um, exactly. I think it's really, really important. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, so, uh, anything else from you that you're seeing right now that you think people should be aware of? Hmm. What they should be aware of? That's a good question. I can't think of anything in particular except for, again, I, I do believe people have to, you know, get more growth-minded and, and open-minded about what they're doing and not stick to one thing only. I agree with you, like what you said about Amazon. You know, there's there's other opportunities as well. There isn't just Amazon out there. You could do multi-channel with Amazon and, and you know, or use a 3PL to expand to other marketplaces as well. But, you know, it's it's scary. It's honestly very scary. I can't imagine what it feels like for a seller to wake up in the morning and get that email with restock limits where it completely cripples you. You know, I, I, I try to call customers all the time just to see how things are going and just, again, hear, you know, their perspective on things. And and really, it, it has hit sellers that, you know, are doing $100 million on Amazon also. Yeah. And it's like, Literally, they did a removal order, let's say, to take out slow-moving stock, and then their restock limit was was shut again. It's like, how? Yeah, I mean, how do you I, do that? I mean, the amount of removal orders we're getting into our warehouses is is unbelievable. Wow. wow. It's crazy. Wow. You know, every day, we're getting 10, 20, 30 pallets of Amazon boxes arrive, wow. returns, unfillable inventory, um, wow. you know, over, over stock. Um, you know, long-term storage, everything else, just shipping it out. Like, get it out. It's like a mass wow. evacuation almost. Wow. Um, it's crazy. crazy. That's but, crazy. You know, it, 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 it's, it's you know, we're, we're all part of the beast, if you like. Uh, and we're here doing things like this is here to help educate sellers so that they're aware of what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I think that's a good point you're saying, you know, education. You know, education is definitely very important. Listen to the professionals. Hire the ones that could actually help you instead of figuring it out on your own. Um, you know, th those are some of the mistakes that I've made in the past where you, know, you think you could do everything. You'll save money doing it that way. But then, you know, it, it, it doesn't always it doesn't always work out. Or I would say most of the time it doesn't work out that way. So, yeah, there are people out there like you that do really good things for Amazon sellers. And people need to, you know learn and see what people actually do and, and educate themselves on that and, and see what they could do to continue progressing in their business. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, we're coming, coming to the end here. Um, Pearl, if people want to get in contact and want to you know, start using you know, air shipments from anyone, any Amazon warehouse around the world, yes. um, clearly you're the best person for that. How do people get in contact with you and make that happen? So they can email me directly and I'll be happy to introduce them to the team. My email is P A P for Peter, A for Apple, my first and last name at first choice ship S H I P.com. Straightforward and easy. And we'll put a link in that when it goes out, we'll put a link somewhere down there as well. So that should all Perfect. be good. Uh, fantastic. Well, Paul, thank you very much for joining us on the e-commerce expander secrets podcast. Uh, it's amazing to have you. It's amazing to be a partner of yours. Uh, we thank you for everything you do for e-commerce. 
uh, and for global e-commerce experts. And we uh, wish you an amazing day and we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for whoever's watching. Thanks very much, everyone. Stay safe and we'll see you on the next episode next week.